Good morning, New Hope. It is good to see you, even though I'm not seeing you. Uh, we're, we're here in church. The church isn't a building, it's us. And so we get a chance to connect together. Good to uh, have you allow us to come into your living room uh, this morning. We're, uh, we're on part three of a series uh, that we're calling The Steps That Jesus Took. And uh, we're in uh, Luke chapter 9 this morning. Uh, where it talks about he, he, he is on the road. And the word translated road there, the Greek word translated road, really means the way. So Jesus is the way. Did you know that in the book of Acts, the early church was called the way because there were people that followed Jesus' steps, did what he did. So that's what we want to be doing. So we're going to start out in this uh, story here in Luke chapter 9. Uh, We're going to read verses 57 and 58. As they were walking along the road, a man said to him, I will follow you wherever you go. Jesus replied, Foxes have dens and birds have nests, but the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. So this is uh, the first of three disciples who came to be with Jesus, and they were walking with him, traveling with him on the road. And this first disciple is an eager beaver. He says, I'll follow you wherever you go. He doesn't know where Jesus is going, but he says, I'm going to follow you wherever you go. Apparently, he had been listening to what Jesus was saying. It made sense. He wanted to follow, he wanted to obey, he wanted to be a disciple. So he says, I'm going to follow you wherever you go. It's an honorable thing, except he doesn't know where Jesus is going. This whole series is about Jesus having set his face toward Jerusalem. He's got a purpose, he's got a goal, and nothing's going to sidetrack him. And this young disciple says, I want to follow you wherever you go. And so Jesus wants him to stop and count the cost of that. His emotions had been stirred, and he wanted to make a commitment. But Jesus almost throws cold water on that. Foxes have a place to sleep. Birds have a place to sleep. But the Son of Man has no place to lay his head. In other words, if you're going to follow me, you may not have a place to lay your head. You don't know where I'm going. And I think what Jesus is saying here is he wants us to carefully count the cost. Weigh this out before you make a commitment. That's not the way we typically try to get disciples today. We want to make the first steps real easy. But Jesus tells them right up front, I'm going into the storm. I'm going into a battle. I'm going into a tough situation, and if you want to follow me, that's where I'm going. And I think we all have to stop and think about that. We don't want to make, we don't want to to create wrong expectations of people. If you just come to Jesus, if you just join the church, if you just do these spiritual things, then all your problems are going to go away. No, your problems may amplify as they did with Jesus. Difficulties are ahead. If we want to follow Jesus, there's a battle. There's a storm. We can be conquerors. But what Jesus is saying is, Mr. Disciple, you need to slow down, count the cost, 
be sure you're willing to pay that price. Remember, Jesus came into the world with no room in the inn. His life was difficult, not easy. He left everything he needed up in heaven to come down here. And then the road got tough. It got difficult along the way. Remember, this earth is not our home. Your future is a question mark. I don't know how much longer I've got. You don't know how much longer you've got. Right now, there's this threat of COVID-19, and we don't know if it's eventually going to get to us or not. It's a big mystery. It's good news to know this world is not our home. If this world is our home, then it's really insecurity. And I want some security. And knowing my home is in heaven with Father God, that's the security I have. Whether I live for another 10 years before I die or whether it's going to happen next week, I'm at peace with it. It's okay. So this earth's not our home. So Jesus is saying, if you want to be a follower, if you want to be my disciple and you want to follow, count the cost, think it through. And you must be willing to set aside your worldly security. And if you can do that, then peace can come into your heart and you can say it is well with my soul. So this is the disciple, the first disciple he was looking for, a, for comfortable expectations. He thought, if I follow Jesus, then everything's going to be fine. It's going to be a great experience. But no, there's battles ahead for every Christian, for every believer. It's just the way it is. But we can do this because he gives us the Holy Spirit to empower us to deal with whatever we need. That's why when my wife and I get, get together, together to pray, we speak to this virus, that it's got to stay away from our home. It's got to stay away from our church. It's got to stay away from God's people. If it's a judgment for sin, we can't do anything about that, but we can certainly deal with the sin in our own life so God's not angry with us. Okay, so then a second disciple comes along, and we pick up that story in uh, verses 59 and 60. He said to another man, Follow me. This time Jesus gives the invitation. Follow me. But he replied, Lord, first let me go and bury my father. Jesus said to him, Let the dead bury their own dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. So the second disciple, Jesus gives the invitation rather than him saying, the first guy came and offered himself. Jesus specifically invites the second guy. And his response is, first, top priority, number one, first, let me go back and bury my father. But that seems like a reasonable request. Except if his father had died, he wouldn't be on the road with Jesus. So his father wasn't dead yet. He's saying, let me wait until my father dies, and then I'll follow you. Let me wait until the inheritance comes to me. I want my share of the inheritance first. Let me settle my, the old affairs, and then I'll go into the new. I'll go into a new relationship with you. 
He wanted to delay it. He was willing to be a follower, but he wanted to delay it. He wanted to put it off. Have you ever thought about putting it off? You think you ought to be a Christian? You ought to give your life to Christ? You ought to make that decision? You've thought about it for a long time? But there's always another excuse to put it off, to delay. Jesus is urgent, and he's trying to get us to recognize the urgency that we need in our life. So Jesus responds, and he says, Let the dead bury the dead, but you go and proclaim the kingdom of God. He's telling him to go. He's not saying come. He's saying go. First thing, we come, and then we go. Jesus is launching him. He's telling him to go and proclaim the kingdom. Go proclaim the good news. I don't think there's been a a time in our society that I can remember when there was such a need for the good news and where people, I think, are receptive to the good news. I'm not going to say God sent this virus onto the earth, but I will say the virus has awakened the people in the world. The virus has awakened people out there who've been cold to God, not interested in God. That's our open door, church. We need to find those people. We need to speak to them. We need to give them hope. We need to speak with confidence. We need to, to, to proclaim the kingdom. The kingdom is on this earth. This world is, is a fallen planet, but the kingdom is established right here. That's good news. We need to hang on to that. We need to proclaim that, share that with someone else. Rather than come up with excuses to put it off a while. During World War II, the leaders of the big three allied nations that had conspired to destroy Nazi Germany, the United States, Great Britain, and Russia, those three leaders, Franklin Roosevelt, Winston Churchill, and Joseph Stalin, came together a couple times to put together a strategy on how those countries would work together. And repeatedly, Churchill and Roosevelt were frustrated because Stalin wanted to come up with the ideas. If they came up with an idea, he really he wanted to, to tweak it, modify it. It had to come out as his idea. And one time they had an idea, a strategy of something to do, and Stalin objected. And they gave him, they, they asked him the question, why not? And he just said, I don't want to do that. And then he gave them a story, a story of two Arabs. Stalin said, these two two Arabs were working together, and the one asked to borrow the other's rope. And the second Arab says, no, I need that rope to tie my camel. And the first Arab says, but you don't have a camel. And the second Arab said, yes, that's true. But when you don't have a reason, one excuse is as good as another. In other words, he didn't have a reason. He just wanted to object. And I think sometimes we really don't have a reason to put off following Christ. We just want to resist. We want to wait a while. We want there to be a bit of a delay. Now, I was on vacation a week ago, 
And I had to change my plans because of this COVID-19 virus. I had to change my plans. So uh, in, in, we didn't go to Nashville to visit our daughter. We stayed around here. What do you do for a whole week around here when you planned on going away? So my wife and I got some straightening up done in our storage room, went through some old photos that I'm trying to scan in and get organized. Uh, so it was a productive it was a productive time, and in, in that, that process, I found something that I, I'd lost quite a while ago. It's, it's a, a tuit, and I got this out, and I got to thinking about it. For the longest time, I couldn't find this. I, I, couldn't, I couldn't do what I wanted to do, and finally, I found and got around to it. So maybe you need to get around to it in your life. And instead of making excuses, make a decision. You're going to take some action. Amen? You can, you can put that amen over there. It's okay. That's good to do that. It's a good way to have interaction. So the second disciple had a convenient expression. He wanted to express his worship. He wanted to express his faith but he wanted it to be convenient on his timetable, the way he wanted to do it. Which takes us then to the third disciple in verses 61 and 62. Still another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me go back and say goodbye to my family. Jesus replied, No one who puts a hand to the plow and looks back, is fit for service in the kingdom of God. So the third disciple had a little bit of confusion. We're going to call it contrary experiences. He wanted to follow Jesus, but he also wanted to go back. He wanted to move ahead and go with Jesus where he was going, but he didn't want to give up the past. He liked hanging on to that past there. So he says, first, let me go back. It's a good request to go back and say goodbye to your family. It's a good request to kind of transition slowly. But that was his priority, to go back. And there's nothing wrong with that. When Elisha decided he was going to follow Elijah... He asked Elijah if he could go and tell his family goodbye and then come and follow. And Elijah gave him permission to do that. But Jesus isn't giving him permission. He wants him to follow now. There's a sense of urgency. And Jesus is looking for people who understand the urgency, who are willing to take some action steps in that direction. So he gives him this proverb it's not from the book of Proverbs, but it's in the form of a proverb. He says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and turns back is fit for the kingdom. You have to look where you're going. You have to move ahead. You have to have a forward direction. You don't look back. You can't look back if you're going to follow Jesus. It's only ahead. It's only in the future. It's always where we're going. You can't mow a straight line 
looking back to see how you're doing. If you're going to mow a straight line, you have to look ahead. You have to forget where you've been, and you have to press forth into the future. Jesus wants us to move on. We've had to do that here at New Hope. I would much prefer to have this room full of people with a couple of you saying, Amen. That encourages me. But we can't move back. I've had the opportunity, some of the pictures I went through last week of, of my life, I've had the opportunity to work with and relate to some powerful spiritual people in our church. Some of them are long gone with Jesus in heaven. And there was a bit of melancholy because I knew that I, I don't have them around anymore. But there was an excitement because I had this sense of destiny, this, this sense that I had a, an impact in their life and they impacted my life and the people that I connected with meant so much. But that's the past. I am honored to have those people in my past, but now I have to look at the future and who are the new people that God's going to bring into our church? Who are the new people that I have an opportunity to disciple in the days ahead? Lot's wife looked back and lost. Judas looked back and lost. We can't be looking back, church except to feel honored that God allowed us to have those connections. We've got to be looking forward. We've got to be looking ahead. Reflecting on the good old days isn't the future. That's not where we're going. The good old days was, in a, was a powerful time where God moved in our life. But the good new days are yet ahead and until Jesus comes back, I want to fix my focus that direction, what he's going to do, not so much what he has done. And how we respond to crises when they come up, like this crisis, how we respond to them is the measure of our maturity. God gives us tests to see how we're doing. It's a good thing when the test comes. And we're in a testing time right now. And I want to pass the test. I want the Lord to know I stayed on duty. Yes, everything was rocked. Everything changed. Have a hard time even getting toilet paper now. But we can hang on to Jesus. That's a sure thing. We're in a test. So to summarize, the first disciple was too ready because he didn't count the cost. The second disciple wasn't ready at all because he didn't sense the urgency. And the third disciple was only half ready. While he looked ahead, he was hot. But when he looked back, he was cold. Hot and cold together makes lukewarm. And we know what Jesus said he would do with lukewarm followers. We need to make our mind up, church. And I hope it's your time to make your mind up. The top of your screen is a contact card. All you have to do is click on it. You can communicate. We want to know what you're thinking. We want to know where you're hurting. We want to know where you're going. What is the Lord saying to you? Communicate with us. We care.
God is good all the time. And he's got good plans in store for you and I. We need to believe it. We need to hang on to it. We need to be sure of it. Heavenly Father, in Jesus' name, we ask that you will take these words about discipleship, these three disciples, and Father, help us to learn and help us to be the people you want us to be, even in these trying times. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.